Welcome to the Styano Plastic Surgery Podcast with plastic surgeon JJ Styano, the only plastic surgeon in the UK who owns a clinic specializing in breast and body contouring. To the Q and A that is the Stiano Plastic Surgery Q and A with uh, yours truly, Jonathan Stiano, consultant plastic surgeon to the stars, and I've got some questions here. But as always, if you've got any questions, please feel free to post them, and I will answer them. I'm hoping the audio is working. I'm assuming it's going to work. Um, because there's no reason to not believe that it's working. I've got a green light on here. So what could possibly be wrong? I'm sure it's working fine. Um, if there is anyone there and you want to say the audio is working, then please do that. But um, I understand if you don't want to put your roar in. You might not be the sort of person who likes to comment. I totally understand. I am one of those sorts of people, really. Just keep quiet about it. But uh Hoping it's working. Uh, I, hope, I don't know why I've done this loads of times, and I'm still not sure if it's all. I'm sure it's all fine. Mic number one. Got the pro mic here. You know, so uh, yeah, I'm sure it's all fine. I'm gonna, I'm gonna soldier on, and I'm gonna go and answer the questions that have I've been asked already. But I will be very happy to be interrupted at any point in the proceedings. So uh, what I've got to do is get that off the screen, okay, which is quite simple, like that. Please comment and share, as it says down there. Please do that. I could keep that running, but I'm not going to think that will be annoying, I would have thought, if I was you. Um, so here we go. Let's get started. Let's get cracking. Right then. I had a, oh no, sorry, um, question from Tuesday. Three months after arm lift, can I have a deep tissue massage on my neck and back whilst lying on my front safely? Will it make anything go funny? I'm asking because of the strange sensation slash numbness that lingers there. So three months is good time to wait for this sort of stuff. Um, I would say that six weeks is your is your minimum when things start to settle. Um, you, well, you start to notice things settling, but three months is when things really start to settle down. Um, and so at three months, so at six weeks, I say you can sort of start to get back into things. But at three months, I think your tissues will be nicely healed. And certainly you can um, get into things like this deep tissue massage or, or if you were doing the gym and things like that now the only thing i would say to you is that i do suggest you start when i say you start doing things that doesn't mean you should go all out like it's all fine it might still hurt it might uh, be uncomfortable now the strange sensation slash numbness is normal and might take a year or more for it to settle so i wouldn't necessarily wait for the numbness and the strange sensation to get better but if you start having a um uh, a deep tissue massage and it's uncomfortable if it hurts then uh i would back off don't say don't think oh because he said it's okay then i can carry on 
you know, um, just start to do things. Does that look weird holding that there? I'll put it there. Um, just start to do things. Um, just start to do things and see how you feel. Um, God, what have I done? Sorry. Um, but the answer, the, the short answer is yes, you can get into things around the three month mark. And if it doesn't hurt, if it's relatively comfortable, um, it might still be a little bit uncomfortable. But it's relatively uncomfortable, not painful. Then that's fine. Carry on with it and you shouldn't do any harm. The other thing I say is I always feel a little bit uncomfortable because I know I didn't do the surgery. So uh, it's always best to talk to your surgeon. But I understand that um, I understand that your surgeon um, may not be available or what have you. So um, in the absence in the absence of your surgeon, then you can freely ask me and I'll give you my opinion, but it won't be as good as your surgeon's opinion. So yeah, short answer, yes, three months after a mass uh, arm lift, you can have a deep tissue massage. Good luck with that. Question number two. Um, I had a large seroma that took a while to drain. The skin is now stretched and baggy. I'm wondering if revision means removing the skin or is it a bigger procedure? Um, so that is the problem with seroma or one of the problems with seroma. It does stretch your skin. Not only is it a nuisance, um, seroma is basically fluid collection after surgery, particularly uh, tummy tuck is one of the common operations that, uh, that, that, that can result in a seroma because there's a space. There's a space where we've sort of released the skin underneath the, the stomach and pulled it down. And that space can fill with wound fluid, this watery, yellow watery fluid, which is called seroma fluid. And that can be a nuisance and need to be drained. But also it can... Um, stretch the skin if it's a big one um it's my, it's my color um so that is a thing so i i think so it's difficult i'm wondering if revision means again this is not my my i don't know the case so it's not my my case so if i'm if i'm if i answer questions in a slightly vague, vague fashion it's because i don't know the case um so um it, but in general terms if the skin has been stretched by the seroma the number one first thing to do is to well uh, get treat the seroma but once the seroma is treated then i would get um let it settle let the skin settle let the skin recoil because sometimes uh the skin will recoil after it's been stretched and it will recoil to a degree so the idea is you want to make it as good as it can possibly be before you consider having any revision anyway so that is a absolute minimum of three months once that seroma is fully settled ideally six to 12 months to let the skin recoil as much as it's going to recoil. So that's the number one thing, let it settle. If it doesn't settle, um, then what would a revision mean? Well, yeah, I mean, removing more skin, it, it would mean. Um, my skin is stretched. Will it, if what, if revision means removing the skin or is it a bigger procedure? I mean, it depends on how much, how much it's stretched. But yeah, in general terms, if the skin doesn't recoil, then the answer would be to uh, remove it and tighten it. You'd probably only really be doing the bit below the belly button because you wouldn't want to be cutting around the belly button again. Um, so it'd be sort of, kind of like a mini tummy tuck, really, just tightening that skin below the belly button if there is a bit of a excess in, of skin. 
how big a procedure that will be will depend on how much skin needs to be removed if it's only a little bit then maybe even local anesthetic but if it's you know if not then it's maybe like a mini tummy tuck which is a general anesthetic and depends on how much skin so again stick closely to surgeon is the answer but uh it, if it did need a revision it'd probably be just uh, taking some more skin off but it may not need a revision it might settle on its own oh here we go um roxana is saying hello and kirsty says that uh i'm the her favorite surgeon online all right how many there's probably not many surgeons online Rox, um kirsty but you know i'll take it i'll take it thank you um very kind kirsty thank you very much and now i've messed up my bit to get the next question so i've answered that another seroma yeah um seroma might need to have the skin tightened again possibly so can i have back lipo with a tt so a tt being tiny tuck um yes you can have back lipo to a tummy tuck um personally uh i i sort of um my tendency would be sort of to advise against it really um it, it, to be honest with you because uh two reasons first of all back lipo not many people have got a huge problem with back back fat that needs lipo but there might there might be i'm sure there are some people out there who have um but usually the sort of main surgery is that is the tummy tuck is the front bit you know actually that's the main sort of thing um and the the but that's not the reason because you know the reason is it's hard to get around the back when you do a tummy tuck because patients are lying on their back they're lying on the operating table like that now, it depends on what you mean by back if you mean back by proper back like the bit you're lying on when you do it when you're lying on your back then i would say i would advise against it if you mean your flanks your hips and your flanks your flanks is sort of where your kidney is you know um, your flanks are sort of where your kidney is so it's sort of round the side of the back so you can get round to your flanks when you do a tummy tuck you can if you can imagine lying on a flat operating table you can get round to these side bits so you can get the hips and flanks that's quite common to do that um but you can't get really to the you know the bit above the buttocks and to the sort of midline of the back you can't get right round to the back so back i would say no flanks i would say yes so flanks is is sort of love handles you know that sort of bit hips and flanks is the bit that i um commonly do dur during a tummy tuck that's quite common to do those bits so um yeah depends i guess what you mean by back so uh yeah yes and no yes to flanks no to sort of proper back um my surgeon is refusing revision i had breast implants last november and have to confess that i didn't wear a bra as i should have in fact for most of december i didn't wear one at all my breasts are really droopy now my surgeon is saying she can't tell if i sorry my surgeon is saying she can tell i haven't followed the aftercare instructions and is refusing revision what options do i have please i don't think i could cope with a full op again and then emoji emoji um tricky one this because i'm 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 uh i'm in the area of dealing with other other surgeons opinions and things and it's it's one that you'd have to 
you'd have to or I would have to look at the case because I personally I think it's good to wear a bra for support to make you feel comfortable but I don't think personally I don't think the bra is going to change dramatically the result that you get so I put my view is that I don't think a bra would or lack of wearing a bra would necessarily give you a um, a problem that would require revision so I don't I think maybe you would need your you know people sometimes people need a revision and it may be that you would have needed a revision anyway whether or you weren't whether or not you're wearing a bra I'm, I can't really think unless you sort of weren't wearing a bra and you went and you know jumping about and the wound healed up or, uh, and the wound opened up or something but you know that's clearly not what's going on here um so i think a, a bra is good to wear don't get me wrong i think it's good and i think it's supportive and things but not sure whether a bra would i'm not quite sure what the oh sorry i am really droopy now that's right so um you see some people talk about they say like forget surgery they say what if, if i wear a bra all the time will i not need a lift you know, if I wear a bra in bed and I wear a bra all the time, then my breasts won't go droopy. And um, I don't think that's true. I don't know if anyone scientifically looked at it, but I don't think that's true. I think your breasts will go droopy. I think the skin loses its, its elasticity in everybody as we age. Um, and, you know, we're all acting on by gravity. You could say that putting a bra on sort of takes the weight off the breast, but I don't think it would significantly affect the shape of your breasts personally um, wearing a bra. So this is for people who haven't had surgery. I don't think if you spent your life in a bra, then you would be less likely to need a lift. Um, so similarly, I don't think if you've not worn a bra post-op, that I don't think that's necessarily the reason your breasts have gone droopy. Now, reading the, between the lines here, and I'm going to take a punt here. Um, so I think what what i think has happened here this is my guess oh no she said breast implants oh my guess is wrong i was going to say she's had a lift oh okay um okay so you've had breast implants well breast implants always settle they always start up here and they settle and you know they often settle to where the breasts are you have to so it's something you'd have to look at look at the you know um before and after photos and it's unusual for people to complain about breast being droopy after breast implants um, unless the implants have bottomed out, in which case there's too much implant below the nipple and it has a slightly strange appearance. The nipple's pointing upwards and it looks wrong. So that that could be something that would require an, uh, a revision. But again, reading between the lines, it might be that your breasts were sitting a little bit low pre-op and your implants started quite high as they always do. And then they settled to sit with the breasts. If your breasts were sitting low pre-op, they're still going to be sitting low post-op. Uh, implants can't lift the breast implants can only make the breast bigger so if your breasts are sitting a bit low before having implants they're still going to be sitting low but they will be bigger and they will have more projection and they will be fuller but they'll still be sitting low that is why some people have a lift with implants but it's a big deal a lift with implants and there's more scarring and there's more risk and complications so not everyone wants to go through that which is fine but I always say to people, if the, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming your breasts were a bit low beforehand, so forgive me if they weren't. But in, in general terms, if your breasts are droopy now, they were probably droopy before and you were hoping that the implants would make them 
less droopy, which they will because they will give projection, but they might not have made them as less droopy as you had hoped. Um, um, so I think that might be what's happened. The, the implants are settled. Uh, and it might be that you would have possibly always been a candidate for a breast lift, but maybe that wasn't explained to you preoperatively. Um, and now you're in a bad situation because you think you need a revision. I, d I don't know if it is a revision that you need. I, it, it might be, be an, another procedure, which is a, a lift. Um, really tricky one that if it's always good to talk to people before doing surgery about the options and what they can hope to achieve because then you can get unhappy patients post-op who actually have got an okay or even a good result who are unhappy because they thought it was going to look different one of the big things about this surgery is getting what our mind expects aligned with what your mind expects really it's a big challenge of this job because um that's what it's all about getting patients to realize what can be achieved with surgery so that they can decide whether to have surgery or not because if they think it's going to transform their breasts and lift their breasts their breasts will be a completely different shape you might be unhappy about that because you're limited as what you can do with an implant in terms of shape i mean yes they come in different shapes they come in round they come in teardrop they come in low profile high profile all different shapes but it doesn't have a huge effect on the shape of the breast. The really good way to make the shape of the breast better is a lift. Implants don't have a huge effect on the shape of the breast. They have a huge effect on the volume of the breast, like the size, bigger. Shape, it's a bit more subtle what they can do, and especially if, you, if your breasts are a bit droopy. It's limited what breast implants alone can do. They can add projection, they can add volume, they can make you wear a bigger cup size. But if your nipples are sitting low, they can't lift your nipples. They can add projection to your nipples, but they can't lift your nipples. So we measure the nipples from a bony landmark, your, your sternal notch here. Uh, and that landmark will be the same. That distance will be the same after you've had implants, but there'll be more projection. So sometimes people feel that they've been lifted and feel that they're bigger and fuller. Well, they will be bigger and fuller. But strictly speaking, the nipples won't be lifted. I've read a lot into that one. I might be way off the mark on that, but I, I, that's what I'm thinking there. I'm thinking unless the, the implants are bottomed out, in which case I would have thought the surgeon would want to fix that, then it might be that the shape is just not what you want it to be, but it might be what the surgeon was expecting it to be. I don't know. I mean, I have to talk to the surgeon, but um, yeah, tricky one. Tricky one, trick, trick, trick. Oh, what's going on here? Stuff's happening on the chat. The chat's kicked off. Right, this is what we want. Here we go. Right, which one am I up to? I'm up to that one. Though. Good evening, my favorite surgeon online. Got that one. Thank you, Kirsty. Kirsty has written something. Kirsty, if you didn't want a belly button, do you have to have one? What? That is a weird question. I'll tell you what, I won't tell you why it's a weird question. Anyway, I can't find the answer online. You're my favorite online because I haven't met you yet. Oh. My favorite online because I haven't met you. So when you meet me, you're my first choice for surgery next year. Oh, blimey. Well, I don't want to disappoint you when you meet me, Kirsty. You don't want to burst the bubble. Maybe we should just keep it keep it uh, cyber. Um, uh, yeah, the reason that's a weird question, Kirsty, is because I saw someone in the clinic the other day who wanted their belly button removed. So um, it's just, wasn't that, was, it, was it last week or week before? Anyway, um, yes, you can remove your belly button. If you didn't want a belly button, you can remove your belly button. 
So sometimes if someone's got a huge abdominal apron and you want to keep the surgery as short as possible and just get rid of that big apron if they're a poor anesthetic risk and, you you know, it's just for sort of hygiene purposes and things, you'll just amputate that bit and you will not worry about the belly button. You just throw the belly button away. Um, the tummy, the abdomen does can look a bit strange without a belly button. It is nice to have that landmark in the center of the abdomen, but you don't have to have it. And it certainly makes the surgery a lot easier if you don't want it because you just cut it off. It's easy. So it's easy to remove, um, Kirsty, especially if you're having a tummy tuck. I'm assuming it's a tummy. Anyway, if you're having a tummy tuck, I think, yeah, we've, we've, we've chatted before, haven't we, Kirsty? So, um, yeah, no problem removing your belly button, Kirsty, if you don't want one. And you can always reconstruct it later as well because sometimes belly buttons die or people are born without belly buttons uh, if they have sort of abdominal wall defects and things. So you can reconstruct the belly button. In fact, there's a surgeon in um, Brazil or Colombia. Anyway, anyway, there's a surgeon who presents some really nice results with tummy tucks and he just takes it off. He routinely takes it off and reconstructs a new one. He doesn't use their own belly button. He makes a new one which, um, yeah, fair enough. So, yeah, no problems to remove your belly button, Kirsty. No problem at all. Linny Kitchen. Linny Kitchen. I can feel the ridge of my implant in my left breast. Is that a common thing? Yes. So, Linny Kitchen. Uh, depends on what sort of uh, implant you've got, Linny. Um, particularly with the polyurethane foam. Uh, the polyurethane foam implants have got a foam coating around the outside and scar tissue grows into them they feel a bit firmer you can feel the edges so it's not uncommon to feel the implants um and basically you can feel the implants in different places the sort of problematic places here up here in the upper pole and in the cleavage area this is where people don't really want to feel the implants so if you're very slim if you haven't got much covering over your chest if you're slim and you've got small breasts which is you know quite common in people wanting breast implants then you can sometimes have problems with being able to feel the implants you've got to think about it what we're doing as surgeons we can't create tissue if you're thin if you can see your ribs if you can feel the ribs very easily of course you're going to be able to feel the implant because you, you you can feel your ribs so if you can feel your ribs your implants are going on top of your ribs you're definitely going to be able to feel them so um it can be tricky if you're very slim um and it's just again what i was saying a minute ago about what was I saying about it? I was saying about someone about expectation. Oh, yeah, the lady whose breast is drooped. So it's where managing expectation. Now, you can put the implants under the muscle. So if you put them in the muscle here is a pec major muscle. Can you see? Have you got that on camera one? Um, the muscle is the pec major muscle. And that will cover the upper pole and the cleavage area, the pec major muscle. Now, it doesn't cover the lower pole and the outer and the outer border of the implant. So you might still be able to feel it there. You might see the ripples of the implant. Have you seen that? You know, so you might still see, see, see the edges and the ripples and things like that and feel the edges uh, if you're very slim. But, uh, oh, you've already got implants in. So it is, it, I wouldn't say it's a common thing, but, but it, you know, yeah, it can happen, especially if you're very slim, Linny. So, um, yeah. So, you know, if they're not under the muscle, you could have them put it under the muscle. You can put fat grafting on top of them to help that if you can feel them. Well, the first thing is to let it settle. So particularly they're polyurethane. If they're polyurethane, you have to leave it at least a year, probably more, for them to soften and settle really properly. Diane Dye. Diane Dye. Fat transfer to face to prevent having fillers, e.g. cheeks, lines around mouth. How long does this procedure last, please? So... Full disclaimer, I don't do 
fair graft into the face, um, Diane Dye. Um, but I uh, do have a view on it, so I'm going to put my oar in. Um, so how long does the procedure last? Forever. So that's the benefit of fat grafting. Fat grafting is a permanent filler. So it's not like other fillers. So filler, other fillers like uh, Restylane and um, Juvederm and all these sorts of things, they're hyaluronic acid and they will um, d uh, dissolve. They will, they will disappear and need to be repeated. Um, fat is a permanent filler. Now, well, not obviously, but fat is a, a surgical procedure. So it's a bigger deal than having these other ones, which just come in a syringe and you just inject it there in the clinic. But the beauty of fat is it's a permanent fix. So that is a permanent. So the first thing is it's a permanent fix. Now you think you're having in the cheeks and the lines around your mouth. Now, the thing about fat, um, Diane, is that it is, again, I don't do this, so I'm probably not well, I'm, I'm definitely not the expert to talk about it, but I'll give you a broad view on it and you can talk to an expert about the niceties of it. But fat is very good at adding volume. So it's very good at adding volume to the cheeks. If the cheeks were sunken and we can add volume into the cheeks, things like the lines around the mouth, the lines around the mouth, that's a much more superficial injection of the filler. And I don't think fat's quite so good for fine lines and wrinkles. Um, so fillers might be better for those sorts of things where you can get really close underneath the skin. Um, but certainly it is good for um, volume, volume rather than wrinkles. Um, and, and the cheeks, what have you, is good. And yeah, permanent. So that's good, isn't it? Um, oh, sorry, I've lost track of this. What's going on? I'm just going to do them in order. I might come around. Sorry. Lisa. Hello, I'm wanting breast reduction surgery in the near future. If I chose the clinic, would you be my surgeon? Do you have other surgeons? I've asked twice for brochures over the last few weeks, so I can't find out more information, but I haven't received any as yet. Oh my God, I've got a live, I've got a live person who's asked twice for brochures and not received any. That is disgraceful. This is a sort of thing. I'm going to pull you up on the system, Lisa, because that is unacceptable, Lisa. That is unacceptable. Twice asked for what is going on. Brochure request, 11th of September 2019. It looks like we sent you a brochure, didn't we? 9th of December 2019. Sorry, I'm sorry about that, Lisa. That's upset me now. I'm upset because Lisa's asked for a brochure twice. I look. It looks like we've sent you one, Lisa, uh, by email, certainly. But if you've asked for a postal one, I can't. Well, they haven't made a note that they've sent you one. Um, I'll look at it, Lisa. I'll look at it. I'm on it. I'm on it, Lisa. I've got to make a note of that. Um, so, I'll answer your question, though, Lisa. Um, so, will I be your surgeon? I can I have got other surgeons, Lisa. Um, there are f um, uh, four. So, there's me. Uh, there's Kuram Khan. There's Kirsten Oistrich. And there's uh, Azam Faroa. So 
did you want it posted out lisa because i think i think we, we've got certainly got a digital one that i think we, anyway i'll get i'll get them to talk to you about that lisa i'm sorry but thanks for the feedback Asked twice from brochure i thought we had the system slick but there you go um anyway i'm gonna rise above that guys i'm not gonna let it put me off okay i'm gonna push on so yes it could it can be me lisa or it can be one of the other guys i'd be very happy to see you and um but we're all fully trained plastic surgeons we're all nhs consultants or have been they're all nhs consultants i used to be an nhs consultant i left in 2012 um so i was a consultant for five years in the nhs and i was a trainee for about 13 years before that and um yes long training um so we're all nhs consultants we're all up at the level of a fully trained plastic surgeon something i talk about a lot and you can see any of us um lisa but if you want to see me you'd be very welcome to see me i stopped for a while back uh well actually this time last year i stopped um but the waiting list got too long so i've started again now so i i, I am seeing patients um but we all sort of work together and well, we work together in terms of collaboration. Once you see one of us, you'll that, that'll be your surgeon. We don't sort of swap. But uh, yeah, I'm really sorry about the brochure thing. Over the last few weeks, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Anyway, let's get over. Let's get over it. Come on. Let's get the message off the screen, guys. Come on. We don't want to advertise this sort of uh, negative publicity. But we'll get a brochure out to you. Um, and if we've got your address, I'll post you one. Um, and I'll post you a copy of my book as well. Give us your address and I'll give you a copy of my book. Um, Kirsty, fab. Thank you very much. FDL without belly button. Here I come along. An FDL will be good without the belly button because, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely fine. Cause you know what, Kirsty? It makes it easier. It makes it easier. Surgery is easier if you, if you really didn't want your belly button. Why don't you want the belly button? But anyway, it's a, it's a weird thing, isn't it? The belly button. Why would you want it? But anyway. Um, clear. Linny, silicone tech. Oh, silicone, Linny. All oh, right, they're not polyurethane. Well, you must be slim. Here we go. It, uh, it's this is Linny who had the could feel the implants or see them or something. What was it? See or feel? Feel a ridge of the implant. Here we go. So, Linny, it's under the breast. I had a tummy tuck at the same time. I wish I could feel my ribs. Lol. All right, so you're not that slim. Okay. Um, Okay, well, it's, it's yeah, I mean, the, the place you can all, well, not always, but if you're going to feel the implant anywhere, Linny, it's underneath in the inframammary fold. If you go under there, because that's you, you, certainly where I put them in. So uh, that is, you can often feel um, feel them under there. But um, yeah, I don't know, Linny. Um, again, talk to your surgeon, Linny. But um, if it's recent, I will probably leave it for a while. And if it's not, then things we can do, like maybe put back grass, say we, or your surgeon, whatever. Stuart says, hello. Hi, Stuart. Good to see you in the house. Stuart says, what's the subject tonight? Subject tonight, Stuart, is plastic surgery, anything plastic surgery related. We've had a few questions which I had up or which I got, um, got sidetracked. But um, yeah, yeah. Actually, tummy tuck, I would say, Stuart, if we had to say a, a question. Lots, it's all, in fact, it's all tummy tuck. Actually, we had a breast reduction question, really, but that was mainly because I didn't send the brochure. Um, Stuart's getting in with a question. Get yourself in there. I'm looking at having a 369. 369, yeah. Now you're talking, Stuart. I'm not doing a 360. 
I'm doing a 369. 369 lower body lift. Wow. That's presumably nine better than a 363 lift. Whew. I've been abroad for my other surgeries, but I know this is a big one. A 360 is a big one, Stuart. Um, I'm just concerned I wouldn't be able to be able to afford it on the UK. Um, yeah, Stuart, I, I, I don't know what to say. I get this a lot. <coughs> it's a tough one because it is more expensive in the UK, isn't it? And a 360 is a big one. So it's like, like it's a big one. So it's probably going to be a lot more in the UK than it is abroad. And it's a tough one because I think, I mean, you've, you've had, you're saying you've had surgery abroad and you presumably you've been fine, you know, so presumably they looked after you and everything. So I'm sure people are fine. Well, people must be fine having surgery abroad because it's a huge industry having surgery abroad. Uh, my advice is usually not to have surgery abroad simply because if you do have any problems, if you do have any concerns, then uh, it's really tough because you don't have access. And in my experience, a 360 degree lift pretty much will have a problem, to be honest with you. I think, you know, I think if you go into it saying, I'm going to have a problem, you know, don't want to be negative or anything, but, you know, you're likely to have some kind of complication. Might be just a little wound healing problem, a bit of a seroma, a bit of infection, a bit of a this, a bit of a that. But a 360 is such a big, big op, you know, it's a big, massive, great scar. Oh, and you lying on the, whichever way you lie, you're lying on the scar. You bend, oh my God, my tummy hurts. So I'm bending forward. It's putting tension on my back. So, you know, you're going to have a problem. And so you've got to make sure that you, you're going to be looked after. Um, so you really want to have access to someone, preferably a sort of medically trained person in the UK who can see you, who can help you out, who can tell you about um, treatment of infections, keep an eye on your wounds, things like that. And that is why, or that's one of the reasons why it's more expensive here, because I think sometimes from what I've heard, and I don't know, I'm not an expert on surgery abroad, but the aftercare is a bit less hands-on, you know, in this, well, certainly in my practice, if someone has a problem, they come back to the clinic as often as they want. They can go back every day if they want, you know, once a week, every day, you know, people don't often have problems, but if they do, it's there um, for you. Um, and, um, so, you know, you, there is that regular aftercare. We've um, got the um, clinic nurse and we, you know, everyone at the clinic will, will know you and you can always ring and come back and have any dressings or anything like that. You know, we advise you against going to see your GP because your GP doesn't know what you've had done. They're not an expert in the surgery. So it's not really fair on the GP um, to lump on them, especially not for like a 360 lift. Um, but it's tricky because it comes down to money, doesn't it? I don't know what to say, Stuart. Um, you know, so, you know, it's a, it's, um, it's a tricky one and, uh, and it's something that you have to decide. But I think, do you know what? It's a bit like insurance, Stuart. You know, you never know if insurance is any good until, you, until you've used it. So, like, you know, if you don't need it, then you saved a lot of money by not having insurance. But when you need it, it's like flipping heck, I'm glad I do it my insurance. Or crikey, I'm in trouble now because I've got the insurance. So if it all heals up fine, you're fine. If it doesn't, 
you roll the dice. I don't know, but it's, a, I would say, Stuart, almost like if you can't afford it, maybe you don't have it, you know, is that a bit harsh? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the facilities are about. But anyway, look into it, Stuart. You obviously are looking into it. Look into it. Um, you know, you've got experience. You're in a better position than most because you've got experience of the of the overseas. And, um, you know, sorry. I'm... And see, see what you think, you know, maybe have a consultation in the UK and see what it's like, see what the setup's like, you know, and, and compare and contrast. Talk to them overseas. What happens if you have a problem, etc. Oh, here we go. We've got some. Hold on a minute. Hold on a minute, it's kicked off. Lisa, I've already won a book called Never Accept a Live from Strangers in the toilet of Christmas, and I've not received that either. But it's all good. I'm happy. It's a busy time of year, the post. Oh, God. Right, well, Lisa, I can tell you now, those books, um, I signed them all the other day. So that, to be fair, Lisa, to be fair, it might have been me, because I said I wanted to sign them all. With I put a little note in them all. So... I might have been a, uh, a delayed, um, a delay in that. Sorry about that, because I wanted to sign them. And I did that uh, yesterday. So I might have been delayed on the book. Sorry, Lisa, but yeah. Yeah, and it's busy time of year with the post. It's in the post, Lisa, it's in the post. Stuart, all great apart from a bloody infection. A blood, bloody infection? Or anyway, from my last surgery, that was five weeks ago. Uh, yeah, well, that, that that's the question. And how did they look? Here we go. What did they say? I go to Poland. The aftercare while you are there is great. They see you every day to change dressings and check your wound until you go home. Well, that's good. There you go. So you've got experience. But the problem is, Stuart, what happens if when you have an infection when you're at home? That's that's the thing. It'll be worth the wait. It will, Lisa. It will. It's on the. It's in the post. It's in the post. I'm sure it is. No doubt. Um. So yeah. Um, yeah, that I, I don't know, Stuart. You've got experience, and if you know if they looked after you with your infection, then but it's a tricky one, it's a tricky one because I think I would be wary about a 360. 360 is a different ballpark, it's a big deal, it's a big deal, Stuart. So, good luck. Let me know if I can help. I mean, that's the other thing, we have this quite a bit where people say, Can they come for the aftercare? You know, we have sometimes see people who've got a problem and got a seroma and needs of the seroma drained or something like that. And they want to see me or come, you know, and I'm like, the prop, the, the way, the way it's structured, the way the, the, the service is structured is that you pay a lot of money for the surgery, but all the aftercare is included in that. So you can't really go somewhere else and pay less for the surgery and then just pay for aftercare, you know, with us. We don't really have a thing that we just do aftercare. So, you know, when people ask me that, unfortunately the answer is like, no, I can't really see you for aftercare because that's why the patients have paid a lot more to have me or us treat them because they know they're going to get a very high level of aftercare. And if you, you can't just have cheaper surgery elsewhere and then come for the aftercare. So it's something to think about. Um, Stuart, can I request a poster with some prices? <laughs> well, Stuart, I'll tell you what, if you talk to Lisa, there's no point in doing that because we never send them, you know, apparently. But um, you can give it a go, Stuart. If you, I'll tell you what, Stuart, if you can email me, if you haven't already, 
not email me, message me, private message me um, with your email. And we will email you information of a 360 lift and a brochure. And if you want me to, I can, and we've got a tummy tuck guide that we send out. If you want me to post it out, if you give me your postal address, I can post out the brochure and the guide. If you just want it by email, just give me your email and we'll give it to you by email. But yeah, we can give you prices, Stuart. I made a note of it. In fact, a lot of use that does because Lisa's asked twice and we never gave it to her. But anyway, give it a go. See what happens. You know what, Stuart? I've got a celebrate button here. I don't know what that means. Ready to share some of your achievements. Whoa. My Does that come up on your screen? <laughs> My journey. What? Oh, God, what have I done? I've got 202 comments. Oh, God. What's joining that be? I have a link in the post. What link? What? Is this coming up on your screen or is it just me? Right, anyway. You are very welcome, Stuart. And if I don't send you the brochure or the details, publicly shame me like what Lisa has done next week and say you haven't received the brochure because that's what we need, accountability. We need accountability, Stuart, and I need to make sure we get these things sent out when people ask for them. It's a crucial part of the business. Um, get me accountable. We will send that out. Um, right, nice one. Thanks, Lenny. Right, oh God, it's going off. Right, where are we at? Where are we at, people? I know where we at. We're at this one. We're at the kidney disease one. Liposuction on my back. Done that one. Surgeon's refusing. Yes, yeah, Stuart, hold me accountable. Email me your, I mean, message me your, your email address if we haven't got it already. Um, and then, and then, um, and then we will get it out. Shall I check if we got it already? Are you on the database? No. No, you're not on there. So get get drop drops an email and we'll get that sorted. Whoa. Right. Can I have a full tummy tuck and BA breast augmentation with kidney disease? Question mark. I've been refused, I've been refused by two surgeons with not much explanation. A bit of a worry that two surgeons have refused you. Um that's the sort of question that I can't really answer. Um, but I would say, I'm sorry that they haven't given much explanation. It's not very good, is it? What I would do is, in, in these sorts of circumstances, when someone's got a concurrent illness like kidney disease or heart disease or whatever, some organ disease, I would take advice because um, it's really the anesthetic that's going to be the issue. There may be some problems with post-op recovery and infections, depending on what sort of medication you're on, if you're immunosuppressed. So it all depends on what the disease is and what also the treatment of the disease is as to how that affects you. So uh, the first thing is how, I mean, a full tummy tuck and breast augmentation is quite a big op. How um, sort of how... are you in your normal activities of daily living are you able to get up get dressed go to work come back cook dinner you know put the kids to bed you know or are you debilitated do you struggle to walk up a flight of stairs do you get breathless you know 
that that's the first thing so what's your sort of level of, of of health in those terms the other thing is what sort of medication you want as i say you might be on immunosuppressants you might be on steroids things that can delay healing things that can increase the risk of infection i would take advice and i would take advice number one from your doctor who's looking after your kidney disease so in fact you could do that i would talk to the doctor who's looking after your kidney disease and say look i'm thinking of having tummy tuck and breast augmentation what do you think um and sometimes we will say is there something we can make better can we optimize your condition are you perhaps having your drugs changed and you're in a bit of a up and down situation so we probably shouldn't be doing the surgery now because maybe in six months or in three months or in you know your drugs will be more stabilized and maybe your steroid doses can be reduced or something i don't know so there may be a situation where in three or six or nine or 12 months you'll be in a better position um and only your kidney doctor will know that so in which case i'll say look well, maybe we should delay it until that time or maybe not maybe you've been stable with your medication stable with the level of disease for a long time and then we'd have to take a judgment on saying right well it might increase your risk of infection is that going to increase it to a level that's going to make the surgery unacceptable and that's something we'd have to discuss between yourself the anesthetist and your kidney doctor so the anesthetist would be an important person in the discussion as well so we'd talk to the anesthetist say what do you think um and it might be that the anesthetist will say look i think it's very dangerous to do an anesthetic and your kidney doctor or your kidney doctor might say look you're going to get a high risk of infection and with implants infection is a really bad thing because you have to remove the implants so it might be the risks outweigh the benefits now the problem is not the problem is but the issue is that only you know the benefits really uh to you and your body and your you know your sort of self-esteem and how you feel about yourself so you know the benefits. we know the risks but you know the benefits so we have to convey the risks to you so you can weigh it up to see whether it's right or not so i would be worried that two surgeons have already refused you i'd be frustrated if they haven't given you much explanation um but i think my, what i would do is i was you the first port of call go to your kidney doctor and say you think you because that's what I, I will do if you see me as a surgeon i will write to your kidney doctor and say um this lady's thinking of having a breast orientation and tummy tuck what do you think uh, is that okay with you is there anything you need to optimize in her condition before we consider having surgery or do you think it's safe to have surgery i would take their opinion on it uh, and then i would also talk to the anesthetist and say look this is the situation what do you think and uh come with the plan but you know just in itself kidney disease can be quite a varied you know uh scope from people who've had a kidney transplant to people who've, you know, just had a few, you know, few infections and not nothing too drastic. So it's quite a wide spectrum. So, uh, yeah. So I'm sorry you've been refused, but uh, maybe talk to your kidney doctor to see what they say. Uh, sure. Right. Olivia's stuck at the Leeds train station at work. Have a good chat. We'll watch later on replay. Uh, what's that christmas tree christmas tree emojis thanks olivia well hope you get your train um soon and a late night for you olivia so hope uh hope you get home soon um um so what's that there uh right here we go Stuart. What's the best thing to put on scars to reduce this, the, the scarring? The, the. Um, for me, Stuart, 
well, there's two, 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 two things. First of all, is it normal or abnormal scarring? So abnormal scarring is red, raised, hypertrophic keloid scarring, which is uncommon. So there are ways to treat abnormal scarring. So if your scarring is red, raised, and, and, and very florid and lumpy, then um, there are things specifically to treat those scars, steroid injections, um, silicone gel sheets and ointment. But most scars are just a bit red and they're normally flat, but they feel quite firm um, and they're red and they're obvious for the first three to six months, maybe even longer. For me, the main thing is time, really. Time is the main thing and time, most scars will settle, whatever you do. So first of all, don't worry too much. People worry a lot about it and like, don't worry about too much. Whatever you do in time, in a year or two years or three, it will fade. If you want to make it fade a bit quicker, there are things you can do. And the, the next thing is, is massage. Massaging that scar to help break down that scar tissue. Normally leave it about six weeks before I start that. But massaging to help break down that scar tissue often feels a bit firm. You can feel that scar tissue. Massaging will help moisturizing will also help and it'll help facilitate massage now to be honest with you it doesn't matter that much what you want moisturized with if you normally have a moisturizer if you normally use e45 nivea aqueous cream we've got a really good one at the clinical qv cream but if you if you normally use something and it works for you then just use that and moisturize with that some people say vitamin e aloe vera um whatever you know coconut butter People say all sorts of things. I don't think there's any evidence to say that one cream is better than another cream. As I say, for hypertrophic keloid scars, there's some evidence to say that silicone is good, uh, silicone gel and silicone sheets. But for normal scars, uh, it's more moisturizing and massage to help us break down that scar tissue uh, and time. So whatever you normally use. Um, and if you don't normally use anything, just any sort of moisturizer will be good. Yeah, looks like someone has put a red, pen and drawn on me yeah that's what they normally look like Stuart they normally look like a red a red mark that's that's normal so don't worry about it just don't get a tan on it while it's red first three to six months it'll be red get a tan on it now and it'll get tanned and then I'll keep the tan you'll end up with a brown scar so just be aware of that you're okay in this you know this weather but you know if you did go on holiday or something um so yeah moisturize massage leave it about six weeks then moisturize massage but again if you had surgery by some another surgeon you better do what they say that's just what i say i'm not saying it's right for everybody that's my that's my um you know my view what we got what we got i'll tell you what we got we got last question i need a crawler for that last question last question um, I'm having an FDL as a fleur de lis tummy tuck and Mons lift. Mons is the bulge at the top of your pubic area that uh, people often have but don't often realize they have, and it's sort of hidden underneath the apron. Uh, can you explain how the Mons lift is done, please? And will my hairline be a lot higher after? Good question. So, um, the Mons again. I don't think this is my is this my patient. I'm not sure, but I don't think it is. But uh, it's always best to talk to your surgeon because every surgeon has got different views about stuff. So um, the Mons is done by um, 
undermining, limiting the undermining, but undermining that fat, that bulky fat um, to try to lower it down. You can either undermine the flat or if you're doing some liposuction at the time, you can do some liposuction to the mons area, but just trying to debulk that that bulge in the, in the mons, which as I say is the top of the pubic hair over the symphysis pubic bone, over the pubic bone, to try and bring it down. Now, you don't really want to undermine it too much, and that's why we are limited to, as to how much of a mons lift we can do at the time of a tummy tuck. Uh, you might say, oh, I just get rid of it all. The problem is, try and get your head around this. When you do a tummy tuck, what you do is you cut like an ellipse of skin. Now, normally, if you cut an ellipse of skin and stitch it up, the scar ends up halfway between that ellipse. It's a straight line between the middle. But with a tummy tuck, we don't want the scar ending up a straight line across the middle of the tummy. We want the scar ending up right down where the lower border of the incision is. We want it lower down in the bikini line. So what we do is we undermine up north. We undermine all the way up to your rib cage in order to let that top flap of skin move. And the top flap of skin moves down to the bottom flap of skin, which we haven't undermined at all. So the bottom flap of skin doesn't move at all. So because we don't want that bottom flap of skin drifting up. If we undermine the bottom flap of skin, it will drift up. I don't know. I don't know if this is if this is making sense, but the, the top flap of skin, you sort of need to see it really, is very loose. The bottom flap is the bottom incision is not undermined at all. So that top flap meets the bottom flap to keep the scar low. When you do stuff with the mons, when you start guttling down the mons and undermining the mons down south, then you start releasing the, the skin down south in the mons area and that will allow that skin to drift up so that is what that might allow that hairline the pubic hairline to drift up also the the uh, clitoral lift you can get a clitoral lift the clitoris can lift up and that could be quite uncomfortable sorry that's all we are for the watershed thank god we're not are we sorry i don't want to don't want to labor that because you know there might be children watching but you know basically you've got to be careful is the answer how much of the mons you can debulk because you don't want that scar drifting up so what you do is you limit how much you don't really want to undermine you take a bit of a slice of cake out you take a wedge out of the mons and bring it down but you don't want to do too much to the mons now six months a year later that scar will be anchored that scar will be set and will be healed because the top flat will no longer be flappy so you can go back and then do a mons lift then you can guddle down south and take a wedge out of the mons area and then you'll bring it up to an anchored scar so the scar doesn't drift up if you do it as a second stage if you do it at the time of the tummy tuck the scar is movable because you've just undermined up north i think you might have to replay this i don't know if i'm making sense to you but it's the the, the bottom line is it's tricky doing too much to the mons at the time of the tummy tuck because you don't want that scar to drift up north. You don't want the scar to drift up. You don't want it to be visible when you're in underwear. You don't want the hairline to drift up and you don't want the clitoris to be pulled up. So you've got to be careful with how much you do to the mons. So if you've got a very totic mons, if you've got a very full mons, what I normally say to you is, look, I'll do what I can to the mons, but there might be still some fullness afterwards because of this limitation. I can't guddle about too much down south when I'm guddling up north as well, because then the scar will migrate up. 
Have I made that clear? I don't know. I sort of feel like I need a model of it or something. But that is how a Mons lift is performed. And that is why, yes, the hairline can be pulled up if we are overzealous. We're always trying to have happy patients. We want people to have a flat Mons. I don't want them to come back for a second stage Mons lift. I want them to have a flat Mons. But the reason you might still have a bulge in your Mons after uh, a tummy tuck is because of that, because I don't want the scar to drift up too high. And I don't want to, um, to, to have the hairline drift up too high. Stuart, what are you saying? I'm currently waiting for a Mons lift two. The NHS has agreed to do it or to do it. Yay. How does it differ to a female one? Doesn't differ at all, Stuart, except for the clitoral, clitoral lift. You won't get a clitoral lift. Doesn't differ at all. But the NHS agrees to do it. That's awesome, Stuart. Um, but no, no, diff no difference at all, um, Stuart. Still the concern about the hairline uh, drifting up. But if you're just having a Mons lift, so you've had your tummy tuck. Oh, no, you want a 360, don't you? Anyway, so anyway, if you're not having it at the time of the tummy tuck and you're not undermining up north, then you can just undermine south and then bring it up to a static point of the scar at the top. So it, it doesn't the scar doesn't drift up. So doing a Mons lift on its own, you've got much more control over the scar than if you do it at the time of a tummy tuck. So, yeah, no difference for men and, and women, Stuart. It's, it's, it's the same uh, same surgery same uh, same thing so that my friends is how it's done giving away the secrets i'm like that magician tells you how the the magic tricks are done you guys are all going to go out and start doing mons list now aren't you take away the business please don't do a mons lift at home please i urge you just because I've clearly explained, and I know it was very clear, the explanation. I know you feel like you can go out there and just go and do a tummy tuck and then do a mons lift as a second stage. I'm making it sound clear, but it's not as easy as it sounds. Okay, so please, I don't want to be responsible for an epidemic of botched mons lifts out there. Okay, don't do it. Leave it to the professionals, all right? I mean, I just have a gift of explaining things clearly. And I know that that Mons lift was clearly explained about the undermining down, up, south, north. You know, don't do it. Right, Stuart has messaged his address. Thank you, Stuart. I will, I will sort that out and we'll send you a brochure. It will be put, go to the same place that uh, that Lisa's is going. God knows where Lisa's is, um, but it will be getting getting out there to you. And uh, any problems, blame the Christmas post. Lindsay, there go the weekend plans. What you're going to do a mons lift? No, come on, steer clear of mons lift, people. Right, didn't have any photos today to share, but anyway, nice one. I was thinking of doing Mons lift. Don't do it. I know I've explained it clearly. I know it was a clear explanation, but don't do it. Get the Dyson out. Absolutely, Stuart. Bit of lipo. Don't see why not, Stuart. Bit of a modification there. Could be a home lipo kit. And I tell you, we're probably not far off that, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, just because I make it sound easy. You know, it's not as easy as it sounds, Stuart. It's not as easy. 
years of training, years, years of training and perfecting the North Monzon, undermining North and South years in the operating theater, getting it right. So, you know, that's, that's where the money goes. Right. Danka. So I'm going to check out, uh, as I say, don't try this at home. I'm a professional. You're not. Okay. I've, I know what I'm doing. So see a seasoned professional and uh, good luck with everything. And if you've got any questions, please get them in by next week or not by next week, any time, because um, I don't know, I don't have much to say if I have to just be rambling about don't try stuff at home, otherwise it will have questions. So um, I'm going to check out, see you next week. I'm going to be here next week, but then I believe the week after is Christmas week. Whoa, where did that come from? So um, I'm not going to be here then. So I'm going to check myself out and I will see you all this time next week. I'll see you then. And I'm going to stop streaming. Have a question not covered in today's show? Then send it over to info at styanoplasticsurgery.co.uk using the hashtag AskJJ. We'd love to hear from you.